Hey guys, Raj Nation of the Discover Your Inner Awesome podcast here. We're gearing up for season six of the show and bringing it to you on a brand new website. But for now, have a listen to one of our favorites, this best of episode, taking you back to season three, episode nine, with the founder of A Sweat Life, Gina Anderson-Cohen, asking, how do you fight imposter syndrome? Enjoy, and please excuse how ridiculously nasally and flat I sounded when I originally recorded the introduction for this episode. You'll see what I'm talking about in just a few seconds. See you soon. Oh, God. Is it on already? It is recording, yes. Hot mic. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm just trying to be free as this song. This is sidewalk. Wait a second now. You can't tell me it's wrong when I'm trying to be free as this song. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Idea Lemons Discover Your Inner Awesome Podcast. My name is Rajiv Nathan. I am the Idea Lemon co-founder and co-host of this show. I am alongside my co-founder and co-host, Martin McGovern. This is Discover Your Inner Awesome, the show where we have kick-ass conversations with really dope people. People doing interesting things and have questions on their mind. And what we do every episode is we explore an important life question so that we can all get a better handle on what we're doing and hopefully create some change in this world. In this episode, we sat down with our friend in Chicago, Gina Anderson-Cohen. Gina is a fitness instructor and founder of A Sweat Life, a community of people who love to exercise and get really, really sweaty. How do they get sweaty? Well, through some really fun get-togethers around Chicago that Gina appropriately calls sweat working. What we talked about was something that's been bouncing around Gina's brain for a while now since she became a full-time entrepreneur, and that is this issue of fighting imposter syndrome and feeling like, are you out of place here or do you actually belong here? So we explored the question, how do you fight imposter syndrome? Before we dive into the episode, if you want to keep in touch with every episode we release, as well as the entire Idea Lemon Discover Your Inner Awesome message and learn how you can discover your inner awesome, check out idealemon.com and subscribe to our newsletter. It's where we release every podcast and write some really good stories that help you on your life and career journey. All right, enough of me talking. Let's listen to our conversation now with Gina Anderson-Cohen discussing how do you fight imposter syndrome? Let's listen in. Yeah. So I, so I think I think about imposter syndrome all the time. Um, so I'm a pretty strident feminist. But I, I think when I say I'm a feminist, I, I just mean that I think the world should be equal when it comes to men and women. And what that means to everybody could be really different. You know, that could mean that everyone gets the same pay, everyone has the same opportunities. But let me back up. So the reason why I brought feminism into that is because imposter syndrome uh, most greatly and most widely impacts women. And that that's just the feeling that no matter what you do, no matter how far you've come, you just don't belong in your life or in your success. Mm. Um, so I think the idea of imposter syndrome, I think about constantly just because I think as a woman, as a human, and maybe you guys too, you know, I, I can't 
narrow this down to just women, but I, I think I sometimes think like, what am I doing um, going down this path where I've just sloughed off the traditional world and just decided I'm going to be my own boss and lead a team? You know, like, how, do I have any business doing this? And when are people going to figure me out? So that's why, <laughs> <laughs> that's why I wanted to talk about this because it was sort of fresh in my mind the other day. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. two things. One, I think there's just a gross... It's better now, but there's a yeah. gross misunderstanding of the definition of feminism, which right. really is just equality. equality. Yes. Yeah, so it's just like humanism. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I even misunderstood that until maybe the last year or two. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's just clear that up. Right. Just Everybody, equality. you're a feminist. I'm <laughs> yeah. a feminist. So uh, so that's one. And then the other thing... So I think this is interesting because... So like our friend Liz, who we've had on the podcast before, she's mm-hmm. an artist... We've had a lot of conversations with her just when we're hanging out about how she feels the same way and she's out there like putting really amazing art on Instagram every yeah. and you know she has an art show coming up and all this stuff and what I can't get my head around and maybe this is because I'm not a woman is like when you say what am I doing or who am I to do this yeah so like both males and females there's a traditional path, right? right? And even for us, like we're bucking tradition by leaving our jobs and doing ideal and building mm-hmm. our business. Um, but in doing that, and tell me if you feel differently, Martin, I didn't feel like this was something that, oh, like who am I to do this? And I, and I don't know if for me that's because it's, it's a man versus, versus woman yeah. thing. So when you say, like, have that thought of who am I to do this, mm-hmm. what else has happened, I guess, before, or what associations do you have that lead you to believe that in the first place? Oh, boy, that's a deep question. <laughs> um, I, I think, to take a step back, I think that there's, there's always, like, the attribution of success to luck. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think I, to, to put myself one positive foot in front of the other here. Like, I think I fight imposter syndrome every day by, um, and I'm going to answer your question, I swear, but by telling myself it's not luck, it's hustle. You know, like, I didn't get here through luck. I got here because I worked really hard, and yes, there were some opportunities that may have been lucky, but I pursued them. Um, so just to put that out there, like, I don't think I'm an imposter, um, but I do have fits of that. Here and there. That's why it's a syndrome. That is why it's a syndrome. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Must fight the syndrome. I don't know with what. This We're going to come up with a great t-shirt. Yeah. Fight the syndrome. I like that. Um, but I think what's, what's led me to feel like that in the past would probably be... Um, I, I'm trying to think of how to phrase this in the most positive way. In the, the most like constructive way possible. So I, I think having worked in corporate... America, <laughs> you're you're not necessarily put in positions where, and I know you guys have done it too, but you're not necessarily put in positions where um, your expertise or your leadership is always praised. So if if I would do something well at one certain job that I'm not going to call out, but we'll say it was the worst job <laughs> that I ever had. I did learn a lot there, but um, where, when I would sort of assert myself as a leader, I'd get knocked down for that um, because I was too young, because I was too inexperienced. Granted, I'd had maybe five years of experience at that point, which is not a ton, but it's a lot um, in the in the field that I was in, which was doing social media for brands. Right. Um, which changes every year. Yeah, every, every single year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think that that was, 
that was probably the genesis of me taking note of imposter syndrome. Me sort of being like, why do I feel like these people are right in telling me that I don't have what it takes to be a leader? Um, when I know that I do have what it takes. And that sort of taking a step out of who you are and realizing that feeling is, I think, the first step to combating it. Knowing is the first step. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. Yeah, I still, uh, that's why I'm really interested in this conversation. I still feel imposter syndrome anytime I get close to sort of artistic or creative things. Yeah. and in in my life, unless it's specifically tied to like, you know, the PowerPoint that we made or mm-hmm. something business focused, um, it was always something that was discouraged mm-hmm. or just maybe maybe not discouraged but not encouraged at right. all, which is in my mind kind of the same but different. Um, and so it's one of those things where it's less about me thinking I could do it or. Mm-hmm. Um, anything like that it's me thinking I shouldn't be doing mm-hmm. it for some reason um, and I kind of take a look at like all the things that we do in the areas where I feel comfortable in the areas that I'm definitely pushing my, my comfort zone um, it usually comes around one of those areas where growing up I would looked outside of myself for validation mm-hmm. and I'd say like oh someone else is supposed to make this decision mm-hmm. not me and that was, I think all these things were trained. I don't think, because yeah. when I was when I was really little, I would just make a lightsaber with my friend. I wouldn't ask <laughs> to make a lightsaber. But then, like, we'd like go cut up a bunch of wood and, and PVC pipe and tape it all together and spray paint it. But then, at some point Perfect along sense. the way, yeah. And then at some point along the way, someone said like, "You can't do that." And then. Then I had to start asking for permission to do things, mm-hmm. which then made me feel like I shouldn't be doing things, which made me feel like I'm not the person who's supposed to be doing mm-hmm. things, which then made me feel like an imposter anytime I was doing those things without yeah. without given permission. Right. Yeah. Well, the the permission forgiveness thing, and we talked about this a bunch, but just in our own conversations, but the permission forgiveness thing, I think, is one of like the it's it's a very important thing to distinguish between and it's something that I think differentiates people mm-hmm. a lot so like you've acknowledged both now and before like you very much have been traditionally of the permission mindset uh, for whatever reason I've almost for as long as I can remember been the ask for forgiveness mm-hmm. I'll just do it and if it's if someone has a problem with it alright well I won't do it again Yeah. Uh, but I don't say like well I shouldn't do this so I'm not going to What? but the flip side of that is so then I do do something and if it's shut down it's it's not that I won't try it again. It's that it's a huge blow to my ego. Yeah. If, th- if that gets shut down, um, and then there's its own battle there. So like business wise, I haven't really felt the imposter syndrome. Where I mm-hmm. have felt it is in doing music, and like I don't know if you, but I'm a rapper as well. Mm-hmm. And I've heard word yeah. on the street. <laughs> <laughs> word word on the street. <laughs> word is spreading. So. <laughs> That was a long battle to be able to confidently say, yeah, I'm a rapper. Yeah. Because, and it was something that, you know, I just started doing on my own. I didn't ask someone could I do this. I just started doing it. But the immediate feedback I got was very negative. And this was in, like, high school and and early college, like, by my friends. I apologized. (laughs) (laughs) 
No, not you. That was last week. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but that like made me not stop pursuing it entirely, yeah. but only being like, okay, I can only do it in like these hours when yeah. no one's looking and. And I, I'm not joking. Like, if I was, like, writing in my notebook in my dorm, or not in my dorm, um, yeah, in my dorm in college, I and I heard someone, like, footsteps coming in, I would, like, put the notebook away because I didn't want to have questions about what I was doing. And then they'd be like, yeah. wait, you do that? That's weird kind of thing. <laughs> and then that was, like, this, you know, probably five or so year journey to actually build up the confidence to be able to put it out there. And a lot of that comes from, well, then, who, who else was I running with or mm-hmm. who were my circles at that point and it was other people doing creative things who were like oh music wow that's really interesting can I hear it yeah not pff, music like who the fuck do you think you are yeah right and so that was my that's we can my, swear on this podcast yes super <laughs> <laughs> although we were just talking to earlier today there's a line of like tasteful and gratuitous right right there's a I line agree. of of Punctuation and laziness. Yeah. Yes, I totally agree with that. I allowed fucking one, laziness. Yeah, <laughs> I allowed one swear word a post on a sweatlife.com, <laughs> and it must be for emphasis. It must have some sort of one per oomph. post. Yeah, you know, you gotta oomph curse. Yeah, you gotta use it well. I use it in the title every time. <laughs> <laughs> gotta be. Oh my time. god! <laughs> I wonder how that would impact SEO actually. <laughs> Say B test it. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Uh, anyways, I think though with that, what a lot of so both in my case, and I think in both of your instances, mm-hmm. is it's really about whose voice do you hear in your head telling yeah. you you shouldn't be doing this or why why are you doing this kind of thing. What's interesting is you talked about high school and college too, because I don't think anybody feels like they're allowed to be creative or do their own thing or unless you're like really in theater yeah. you're, unless yeah. you're in theater and then, you're a theater and then you're a theater kid yeah, yeah. I feel like I I've always sort of been a weirdo in my life like I've never I was not a theater kid but I definitely didn't let anybody tell me what my path was mm-hmm. um, until what's funny is until I got into the real world post-college that's when it was like this is what I'm supposed to do I'm supposed to have a job and I got a good job and then another good job and then another good job Um, but I hated them (laughs) and so so I think that what's interesting is even though like you're not in high school and college maybe not so much in college but definitely in high school for the most part deviating from what's normal is horrifying and very scary um, for most kids, but I was never afraid of that then until I got into the corporate world and my idea of what was right and what I was supposed to do was very different from what the actual corporate world was. Yeah. So I think when you, and this might just be me, but when I was growing up, my dad was a firefighter, um, which is a pretty cool job, right? So he would go and save people's lives for a living. And my, <laughs> and my mom, I, had, I mean, my mom worked really hard but I thought she just went to work and talked to her friends. You know, like I thought I thought that's what work at an office was. Yeah. That's until I got to college, until I had my first internship, that's what I thought work was. And you're like, oh, well, well but <laughs> yeah. But then an internship, you're like, well, I got ten minutes of work to do. And yeah. The rest is just. Oh no, I worked shit. hard in my internships. <laughs> oh okay. <laughs> I did. Some of us tried. <laughs> Some of us tried. <laughs> hey, they only gave me so much work, yeah. and then I spent four hours tinkering with a fancy baseball lineup. Yeah. Some my- of us had a movie internship where we got paid to see films. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My internship, you know who you are. 
put us in a closet and we were slaves. I worked that there was a PR for it was actually great. I met some of my very best friends at this internship, but they didn't have anywhere to put us. Uh, so you they, always befriend your fellow captives. You must, yes. <laughs> so they put all of the captives, as you put it, but 12 interns in what was a supply closet. Um, and we all just slaved away. We got there, at, most of us got there between 5 and 6 a.m. and worked eight-ish hours. Um, There's windows on your computer. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. That was great. Um, so That's a good joke. <laughs> that's that's actually pretty always, good. He doesn't laugh. He just says, that was a good joke. No, I was like, that's funny. <laughs> oh, that's yeah, funny. That funny. I'll, just, I'll just attribute him with having yeah. made a humor instead of actually laughing. You made a humor. <laughs> oh, Stalin. <laughs> that's an inside, inside joke. joke. I don't get these jokes. I don't get these jokes. Continue. Uh, you were all captives. You yeah, were we, were all captive. we were all captives. Um, but I brought that up to tell you that that was the first time I really understood what work in the traditional sense was. And the sort of like task-oriented um, world that that sort of I put myself in, yeah. the path that I was on, and I, I didn't I didn't dig it. Um, <laughs> so that was where I felt like an imposter because I really was, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, because I didn't I didn't belong there, um, which is kind of a good thing because I don't want to be there. Um, so I guess my own imposter syndrome has been different because um, it's had two manifestations so it was like out in that corporate world I didn't feel like I would ever get ahead because I didn't feel like I would ever be able to do what I needed to do to get to get ahead I probably would have I probably would have been just fine but I didn't feel like I could swallow it you know for decades um but I think but even that just just fine yeah by what measures Right. Exactly. Like, maybe I could have been moderately happy. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> there was a quote I saw this morning. It said, um, too often people confuse okay with going well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're very different things. Well, and I think with a lot of that, though, is what are the standards that are put out there? And then that's what everyone has to measure against, mm-hmm. for better or worse, right? So by conventional wisdom... The jobs you had, yeah, great. I'm sure they paid you well. You did work that was pretty cool, and you it was a, it were steady jobs, mm-hmm. and there was a clear trajectory or clear right. path in that career and in those employers. Mm-hmm. So, by most people's logic, or hell, maybe not most people's logic, but in what's the perceived logic is, yeah, that's great. Yeah, why would you leave that? Right. But I think that battle that you fought of this is me being an imposter is what a lot more people are fighting but don't really want to admit that they're fighting or perhaps not even realize they're fighting because why is it that we find that so many people we know in their 20s and 30s are miserable at their job and don't know what the escape route is. It's not like like entrepreneurship's for everyone. Right. But it's also like, but do I want to get another job in this same field? Mm -hmm. Everyone's caught in this you know, this floating stage. And I think a lot of it's due to the fact that we've attributed, like, the success measures to things that aren't our own success measures. Right. Like, I notice my parents sometimes when they're talking about, you know, whomever is kid or whatever, they're like, oh, yeah, he does well, she does well. And when they say well, what they mean is makes a lot of money. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. And I'm always like, okay, I'd, I'm curious to know how's the rest of their life going. Right. Do they enjoy their job? 
of yeah. what's their personal life like. Yeah. Because to me, well is I have, I'm well rounded almost. Right. Right. Yeah. And if it is good all around, fantastic. I want to meet that person. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but where when you first got your corporate job, did did you feel like there were any parts of your personality that you had to like? You said you didn't fit in there. Were there parts that were discouraged and you had to shut down, or things? Things that you enjoyed that you had to quit doing? Yeah. Okay. So I, yes. Um, so I, I think that there's, there's one job in particular where, yes, I did have to shut down sort of who I was and um, not necessarily my personality, but different leadership elements and different entrepreneurial elements that had allowed me to thrive in previous jobs. So I had been, so I worked again, like in agencies, PR firms, ad agencies, um, doing social media for large brands, which I always attribute to timing and luck, but it's not true. It's not true. It's hustle. I like how you point uh, to the mic. Is it the yeah. mic? Is the I, want, I want you to know that I'm, I'm gesturing towards the mic. The damn snowball. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was hustle that got me sort of into the field of social media in the first place, which was a super new and emerging field um, when I graduated from college in 2008. Um, so... As I progressed through my career, I got to the point where I was ready to leave my first job um, because the company was changing and it it was basically like about to collapse. Um, (laughs) And so I went to a more structured company, structured meaning like super corporate um, and very uh, hierarchical. Um, So I went there and it didn't have the entrepreneurial elements that I was used to um, and it didn't reward the entrepreneurial behaviors that I was used to. So when I got there and I suggested suggested changes or ways that we could make things better, it was almost like that was looked at as a negative, you know, like sit down, honey, wait your turn mm-hmm. kind of thing, yeah. um, which was really a slap in the face because I had left a different job where I, I could... And I had chosen between other opportunities to take that opportunity, um, and not to like, not to spit in the face of a company that, <laughs> that that I did learn a lot from. Mostly, what I don't want to be. Um, I I I would say that that was the worst job for me because I didn't fit into a structure like that. Yeah. Whereas other people who would fit into a structure like that would find that very, very rewarding. Yeah. You know, so it's not the company's fault. It was me not doing my digging and exploring yeah. and really, really, really finding out whether or not that culture would be right for me. Uh, and then getting married to a job when I was not ready. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I absolutely agree with that. Cause yeah. I always say with my first job, I, I did not enjoy it, mm-hmm. but it is a strong company that a lot of people have amazing careers. Yeah. And so, I don't know, I look at some of my old coworkers and I I just see them with the life that they have now being years, three years later after I left that job. Like they, everything looks good on Facebook, right? Right. But it looks good for them. (laughs) And like those were the right people to be in those roles. Right. Whereas like, I think about myself there every single day and the, the meetings I would have and the conversations I would have, I'd leave those conversations thinking, I have to change something about myself mm. in order to do better on the next meeting that I'm mm-hmm. about to have. And so I would sit down and I'd say, all right, you are not good at spreadsheets and detail. Well, I am detail-oriented. I'm not good at math. 
So, like, they would say, like, here's all of the, the, the stats and everything that you're going to go and calculate and figure all this stuff out. And I'd be like, okay. So now, on the one hand, I'm like, great, I get to learn new skills. This is fantastic. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, I'm like, I really wish I was doing something more creative. Yeah. And this is so opposite of the way my brain has worked or works and has worked all through college leading me up to this point. And so then it just kind of progressively, with every single meeting, I'd be like, this is wrong, I'm not right for this. Mm -hmm. And then every meeting you have to like, they say, well, all right, how are things going? Tell me all the good stuff going on. And I'd have to like, oh yeah, fake excitement. And then like, (laughs) it kind of is this weird um, cycle that people Mm -hmm. get in where it's like, I need to do this well, so I'm going to change a bit of myself. But it's not really going to make me happy. But then I'm going to go to that next meeting and I have to pretend to be happy or they're not going to want me here. Yeah. So now I have to like fake it and that whole like sort of cycle kind of keeps rolling to where they're like, well, he seems to like it. So let's give him more of it. Mm-hmm. And then it just keeps snowballing from there. Whereas ever since we started doing our own thing, um, there's things that scare me um, and there's things that I don't know. But mm-hmm. because I don't have to like go in and give a report to someone who I know doesn't have my best interest in mind. Mm-hmm. I don't feel the same sort of like anxiety every morning yeah. that I used to feel going into work. Yes, I I feel like I I feel the exact same way. I get up every week on Monday and I love Monday. You know, like I almost I can't sleep on <laughs> it's, it's crazy, but I can't <laughs> sleep on Sunday because I, I could actually cry. I'm getting emotional microphone. Um, <laughs> I won't though. I won't. Let uh, loose. This is let it loose. Yeah. Welcome no, to the microphone. I won't. I gotta save my tears for later. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I get up on Monday and I'm excited. And a lot of times on Sundays I can't sleep because I'm so excited. So I'll, I'll start to like run through list of all the things I might actually cry. All the things I get to do over the next week or day or whatever. Oh, they're coming. <laughs> and this is a safe space. Okay, okay. <laughs> the room with the denim chair is very safe. Uh, and, and it's it's actually like really cool because I, I was telling um, Martin and Raj earlier that I get up at 3.30 a.m. on Monday, and it, I'm fine with that. My alarm yeah. goes off, and it takes one alarm, <laughs> and I'm up, and I'm going at it for the day. So it's that's not healthy or normal, so don't do that. But Well, no, I mean, but... You know, I was up at 4.45 to, yeah. I mean, I took a 6 o'clock yoga class, right, mm-hmm. so I woke up early for that, but we, last Monday, which was January 4th, so mm-hmm. first Monday back after New Year's, which we didn't even have a day off in that whole yeah. holiday yeah. season anyway. <laughs> we were here on New Year's. <laughs> but that Monday, we were both in the office by like 7.30, maybe? Yeah, we both thought we were going to beat each other here. Yeah. Yeah, and then we both, like... And you were here. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. I saw you guys here. Yeah, and then we were, like, we both showed up, and we were, like, at, you know, really early, and we were, like, well, I guess it means we like what we do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and all those posts started popping up on Facebook of, like, I'm dreading it. Yeah. Like, this is the gift that's my emotions going back to work. And, like, here's the five things yeah. you can do your first day back to, like, handle all the hangovers and stress, and, like... I was just like, man, I'm glad I don't have to click on any of those yeah. right now. It's really nice. Yeah. Well, it took a I mean, and, and my quote-unquote job story is far different from both of you. Like, I had an awesome employer, mm-hmm. awesome job, great, great coworkers, mm-hmm. um, and with, with people, like, with leadership, mm-hmm. really backed me and encouraged me to like really be myself. Like mm-hmm. I introduced the CEO at our company wide conference doing my Obama impression. 
<laughs> so like they really like allowed me to push the envelope of like just being myself and yeah. not having to hold back anything. Well, and that shows culture. How yeah. Oh yeah, of course. Is. Yeah, and that was one of the big things. Like anyone who ever left the company, they'd send like the, the you know the big exit email to everyone, like to the alias. It's just team. Yeah. So everyone who works there, and it'd be like, you know, it's the people that make this place great, and I, and I did the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, my exit story was more. I ended up taking a position in sales that was not for me and it was too monotonous for me and it was that combined with I stopped caring about the product I had to mm-hmm. sell which made me not want to be there every day and I, like, I can't it's very tough for me to fake a smile yeah and for me to have to like be like all right let me go to this meeting and talk to you about this product kind of thing I couldn't mm-hmm. do that anymore and that actually put me in a situation where I was going to bed every night dreading having to yeah. wake up and I would. I was working really long hours doing something I wasn't enjoying, and then mm-hmm. I would, you know, I'd get home really late. So say like I don't know after nine o'clock, mm-hmm. and I, I enjoy cooking, but like I'd be so worn out, I would just like order a pizza. Mm-hmm. So I like lay on the couch, be really lazy. So like my health went by the wayside a little bit, and then it was all. It was this combination of like. Should have seen him. He put on like two whole pounds. <laughs> <laughs> No, I lost weight because I have the reverse effect. <laughs> oh, <Remember>? my God. <laughs> when I eat like crap and I don't work out, I lose weight. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> um, Move your bowl system. Yeah. Gaining weight's a hard thing. <laughs> it's oh a struggle God. in its own. Anyways. You need some calteen bars. <laughs> you guys get it? You got it. Yes. Okay, good. Thank God. Mean girls. Yes. Yeah. What are calteen bars? They're these weird Swedish nutrition bars. My mom used to give them to the kids in Africa to help them gain weight. They're these weird nutrition bars my mom uses to lose weight. Give me it. It's all in like Swedish or something. Yeah, you know, there's some weird ingredient in them that's not legal in the US yet. Ephedrine? No. Phenamine? No. It burns carbs. It just burns up all your carbs. Mm. I really want to lose three pounds. Oh my God, what are you talking about? You're so skinny. <sighs> Shut up. No, first you blow it. Yeah. Then you just and drop then you 10 just pounds. Lose like all that. The water, right? <laughs> yeah. So, no, what that created was I would work really long hours, mm-hmm. but then I also still wouldn't. I knew I had to like work a long day the next day, but I still wouldn't go to bed until like 1 or 2 a.m. because I'd be like, I don't want to like close my eyes and know that what I know what I'm waking up for tomorrow yeah. is coming. So I would prolong going to bed mm-hmm. until like I had to sleep, basically. Yeah. And then I'd wake up early again, and, and but I'd. I had a lot of days in a row where I remember, like, knowing I had to get in, like, at a certain time that I wanted to accomplish what I wanted, Mm -hmm. and I still would, like, let's say I had to get in by, like, 8, I would, like, snooze until 8 and Mm -hmm. get in at, like, 9.30, because I was like, I don't know if I can do this again. Yeah. And then, I mean, do you remember the the Jerry Maguire talk we had? (gasps) I, no. When we went out to lunch, and I yeah, was like, dude, yeah. like Were you at here's the, what I'm thinking of, like, giving list. my boss. Yeah, yeah. And it was, you know, you know, Jerry Maguire's, like... Demands? Yeah. Yeah. It was similar to that, and you were and like, I was like, Let whoa. Me this. <laughs> Let me take a look at edit this. <laughs> um, and I, I ended up not sending that, which was great. I ended up exiting gracefully, and they 
we're awesome about Anytime it, the word manifesto is in Did you put other... the word manifesto in it? No, I may have. <laughs> we were calling it a manifesto of the year. Because <laughs> I still have it in my like Google Drive. Like, some it's of that probably important there. to hold on to that because we'll call yeah. that rock bottom. I think I put it, I think it's called the change proposal or something yeah. like that. <laughs> oh my God, I love it. Um, because, you know, I was like, here's what I'd like to see different about the company, things I'd like to do, all that stuff. But it was just not written from a positive place. Right. So yeah. I'm sure it just came off as me being like a jackass millennial. Super, <laughs> super millennial. Yeah. Change uh-huh. the company for me. <laughs> yeah, that's probably what it came That's off. exactly what it was. <laughs> so Here's what I want. Build the company for me. Yeah. yeah. No, so, you got to go build your own. All right. But I think what's interesting in that, though, like, even in the wow, everything's great. Like mm-hmm. my thing was, I need to just, I need to do something that inspires me more right. than what this does, and that in itself, which on paper looked great job. I mean, it paid me really well. I had great coworkers, and a, it was a great company to work mm-hmm. for. Even with like even not on paper, it was good. But yeah. I think you you have to like scratch that itch yeah. if the itch is there, right? and it doesn't have to be entrepreneurship. I don't mean that. If that's the route, then great. Yeah. But if it's like there's something more here, then you've got to do yourself that favor of mm-hmm. actually finding some way to explore that, mm-hmm. whether it is, I don't know, just starting like a meetup group on the side right. or whatever it might be. I, I actually had two jobs I would consider great after the job that was not for me. I won't, I won't call it a bad job, just not for me. Um, two <laughs> You're jobs really worried they're going to listen to this podcast. Well, it's, it's more, it's not that, it's more like, there are people there I really like, yeah. and and it's a good, just like your experience, like it, it's a good job for the right people. I just wasn't yeah. the right person. Um, but the the other places I worked after that were awesome, but I just had this other, awesome for me, I should say, but I just had this other interest. You know, I started what's now a sweat life, um, and it was growing, and I had these events every month that I was constantly like, worried about <laughs> and taking care of in the middle of the day and taking meetings. <laughs> Sounds familiar. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, and I was taking meetings with other companies and I kept finding myself pitching health and wellness ideas and only wanting to work on health and wellness brands. I worked because that's the only thing I cared about. <laughs> and so, um, but I was very fortunate at one company that I did get to work on mostly health and wellness brands. Um, so that, that was awesome and I, and I got to at least stay happy in, in that sense um, but eventually you can't just be like happy enough especially if if you know it's like being in love with someone but having a great boyfriend you know like wait what like <laughs> okay so being in love with someone outside of your relationship so let's say you're like super in love with someone and they're not your boyfriend or girlfriend whatever okay. but you have like a really great boyfriend you're never going to stop thinking about like oh, the person yes. you actually love mm. or the the interest you actually have yes. so you almost, you have to pursue it in order to know if the love is true that's true yeah. I was definitely cheating on my job with yeah. Idea Lemon yeah I was <laughs> cheating on my job too well I think what's interesting is that you mentioned like the health and wellness things would kept popping up for you yeah and I think we like I think we ignore that too often mm-hmm. you know like one of the things that I pitched at my last company as a salesperson was one of our products was text message marketing. Mm-hmm. You know what notifications I've turned off on my phone mm-hmm. for text messages? <laughs> you know an experiment I did while working there was can I go a month without texting? Yeah. So like, there's just like those disconnects that yeah. 
you don't like either realize or just don't want to acknowledge mm-hmm. that are very telling. Like, yeah. How do you live your life and what are you doing in this day to day that goes against the way in which you believe your life should be lived? Yeah. yeah. Well, that goes back to, like, I was a little kid on the bed with all my money splayed around me from caddying, and I was just, like, just cash on the bed, and I was like... Is this real? This is real. I was 12. And I got go, a photo of it. And I go, yeah, and I go, you why... You should get a bank. I go, <laughs> why would anyone own a credit card? This is awesome. <laughs> my first job out of college was a credit card company. <laughs> oh, boy. And I was like... I remember, I'm like just like thinking back to like 11, 12 years old and being like, credit cards are dumb. I just yeah. want to hold cash and like, sh- I think it's really important to know how many dollars you're spending and blah blah blah. And like, then I'm just sitting at this company like trying to sell people on credit and mm-hmm. I'm like, what am I doing? This is not mm-hmm. at all how my brain works. Yeah, I definitely think that's right. Now, I think, well, on a lot of this too, this idea of being an imposter. A lot of it, I think, is... And the reason why I think we get into these situations in the first place... I just wrote a long thing about this the other day. Um, is we're asking the wrong questions when we're growing up. Mm-hmm. Like, the what do you want to do is the wrong question to be asking. Mm-hmm. Inst- and it, it shouldn't even be like, what do you love? That's not the right question to ask either. It's more about what way do you want to make people feel? What impact do you want to have on the world? Yeah. And then from there, what skills can you develop to get to that point? Because mm-hmm. I think if we're thinking along those lines in high school and college, then we're, everyone's getting, or more people are getting into jobs that are the right fit for them, or they're creating yeah. things that they want to create, or whatever this, you know, the output might be, but they're not having to fight the imposter thing because yeah. they're in the situation that does suit them. And that's interesting that you say that because I, I always tell, when I tell my professional story, um, I always tell it, um, so I, I always try to come from a positive place. Uh, I'm a pretty positive person, but I always try I to, tell. <laughs> I always try to come to, from a positive place when I talk about my career because, um, everything I've done has led me to where I am, which is really important to not forget, you know, like without all of that other experience, I couldn't be where I am. So I, I bring that up because I think what I what I managed to do through my career was build all of the skills that I would need to build and grow a sweat life. Yeah. Um, and I think what I realized through all that time was what makes me happy was nurturing a team and giving people a place where they, they could be creative and a place where they could be paid to be creative. Um, so, so I've found actually being able to do that for people is the most rewarding thing I've ever done. Um, and I've had a lot of fun in the process and all the work I've done before, like learning how to do social media for brands. Now I get to do that for me. Um, (laughs) you know, like learning how, um, to use WordPress, learning how to do all of this other stuff. Which we still have no idea. Oh boy. The world's your oyster on WordPress. Um. Not a fan. Yeah. Oh. Well, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Depends on how much you mess with it too, and, yeah. it, and once you break into the code, if you if you mess up the code, it's messed up forever. Yeah. Uh <laughs> oh, you messed yeah. it up. Um, not yet. Not yet. Okay. That was an older site. It's no longer around. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I've also learned through my time to pay people to do things I do not know how to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, so I I think. I told you all that to tell you this is that I I learned through all of my experience what does make me happy and what does drive me and I also managed to gather the skills I needed along the way like at each job it was like okay 
I love this. I'm going to take it with me. Okay, I hate this. I'm going to leave it here. Mm -hmm. um, so I managed to pack this like Nike backpack full of skills that yeah. now just comes with me um, everywhere I go and and build a team to do that stuff with me too. Yeah, that's so funny. You said the Nike. We both raised our eyebrows at the Nike backpack yeah. skills because we, we use this term called the proof backpack. Yeah. What is the proof backpack? So the proof backpack is... Going to your skills piece, it's like, all right, these are the things that I really wish I were doing in my life. Yeah. And we put them off because, oh, I have to learn this new skill. Yeah. And it's not part of my job description, so I'm not going to go do it because mm -hmm. I'm not being paid to do it. So, like, that's not what I'm supposed to be doing. And so, um, but if you ever go into an interview and you give them a resume and they look at it, they're going to say, all right, here's all the things that you say you know how to do or have done in the past. Mm -hmm. Show me. Yeah. And you're going to have to either one, you're going to have to tell them stories. Yeah. And you're going to have to show them evidence. Mm -hmm. And if you, if the only story that you know is the words you put in that bullet, mm -hmm. and the only evidence you have is what you can say to them, you don't have any like portfolio or website or thing you've built to show, mm -hmm. then you have no proof backpack. And you're just talking about theory and hypotheticals mm -hmm. and, and past experiences that you can't confirm. And so the proof backpack is just like building up. Um, not only skills, but proof of those skills that are interesting enough to tell stories and to kind of bring into a conversation with mm -hmm. whoever you're talking to. Interesting. Yeah. I think, um, so, I don't know, did you feel this way, Martin? So when we were doing the dual life of jobs during the day and IDLM at night, I actually, not, this is coming to me now, that I think I did feel the imposter syndrome then in certain situations where like I'd be at like a networking event or something mm -hmm. and I'd be I would always be amped to talk about ideal and stuff mm -hmm. and then they would ask like oh so is that like, you're doing full time yeah and I'd have to be like no well it's actually it's a side thing and that was like this like crushing blow that it yeah. was we had to like make a serious effort to stop calling it a side project yeah, yeah. like that was a hard thing to change right. in our heads when we were like no we're a f business yeah <laughs> like, yeah, I think, and I remember just being like, oh, man, it's, is this, like, are people taking me seriously? Yeah. Because, and I think a lot of that is the own confidence you feel with it. Yeah. Because plenty of people do things on the side that are fascinating, and it doesn't matter that it's just a side thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think we were able to do a lot with it just yeah. being a side thing. Well, and it, it was our tool to learn the skills that we knew we wanted because our jobs weren't giving us those skills. Right. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's why... I enjoyed doing it so much because we kept every night going, all right, we want to build a new skill. They won't let me do it at work, so let's create a podcast or something. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. I remember, so this is bringing back something for me too. I remember when I was living the dual life too, people would talk to me about a sweat life, which in my head was the only thing I cared about and I was just going to work because I had to um, and because I hadn't quit yet. <laughs> so, yeah. And I remember people would talk about a sweat life and um, they would say things which probably weren't even pejorative, but they would say things that I would take that way. So it would be like, how is your little blog doing? And, ah, yes. Um, <laughs> where in my head I'd be like, go fuck yourself. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd have to be like, well, my little blog. Ha and yes. I, I would find myself like defending it. Yeah. Um, but in a way that was defensive, not, not sort of in the positive way that I would right. normally want to. Mm -hmm. And that's because I wasn't, okay with it just standing for itself yet you know and so I think in the past however many months eight months 
since I've been out in what I call the real world, <laughs> um, I, I, some, if someone were to say something like that to me, it would just roll right off of me. But because I, w- I was living that double life, it was like, I, it was my baby and you don't get it. And I'm well, like someone telling you, why. Your ugly, yeah, exactly. Right? Like yeah. <laughs> your baby or your baby's fat. Like, yeah. excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I think that's, that's really funny that you say that because I think, I mean, and we've both had people say that before, like, oh, oh, that's what you're doing now? Or like, oh. How's your little thing? Yeah, how's that thing going? That's nice. Your little idea guy. Oh, well, it's the thing that I'm trying to make feed me, so. (laughs) I I got that last week. So are you still doing that, or can you pull in this new job as well? Can you do that on the side again? No, it's not a side thing anymore. (laughs) People still will approach me about... um, Consulting, doing social media consulting, which I guess I should be flattered by, but at the same time, I'm like, get out of my life. <laughs> like, yeah. I am busy. Yeah. Uh, this week. This yeah. week that happened, yeah. Like three yeah. times it happened to you this week. It's only which Tuesday. Is funny it's only Monday. It's funny because <laughs> this is what, the first week of the year, and I like, I have a friend who like chose a word for the year, and so it inspired me to choose a word for the year. What's your word for the year? My word for the year is conviction. Okay. And that kind of plays into this. Like, in the past, I've been like, oh yeah, I do idea lemon on the side, mm-hmm. but I'm a marketer, right? I'm really interested in these things, but I don't do them full like I don't do them every day, so I can't call myself that. Like, yeah. I really enjoy art. I really enjoy, uh, you know, all these different things that I'm interested in. But like, I, like I'm, I, I go run. Like, whenever I work out, I run. Yeah. But I, d- I never called myself a runner until like one of our podcasts, when I'm like, no, that's the. If you that's run, you're a runner, ex- man. Exactly, yeah. and so like. It's one of those things where this year was the year that I'm like, okay, I really want to stand behind the things that I actually believe in and not just stand behind them personally and quietly, but when people challenge me on them, have the confidence to challenge back. And so now if I ever get kind of pushed with like, oh, when it, when are, at what point are you going to stop doing that and go get a real job? (laughs) It's like, uh... Never. <laughs> We're going to evolve this into whatever it needs to become in order to be a full-time sustainable thing. Yeah. And please don't ask me this question again. Yeah. And so, like, let's keep moving forward. Unless the question or the... Or it's like being a contrarian. Unless, yeah. unless you're going to say something that is constructively criti- critical, mm-hmm. I don't want to hear it. Yeah. I found, actually, humor diffuses that stuff really well. Um, because when you get mad... It's, it's almost like asshole syndrome, right? Like, if you get mad at someone, um, something triggers in the assholes among us, who probably the people who would ask you that question. I don't want my asshole triggered. Yeah, you don't want to, <laughs> don't trigger those assholes. So, um, I, but I found, like, using humor instead of being like, well, actually, how about you go fuck yourself? Yeah. I've sworn three times now. I think I've hit my limit. Uh, You've exceeded your blog yeah. limit by two. Yes. Well, this is sure. a podcast. This is a lot of words. Um, I digress. But I, I found when people say things like, "When are you gonna, do you think you'll ever go back to the corporate world and being like, um, saying something like, this actually won't work. But if, it, if, if it's something like, when are you going to get a real job? Or when are you going to quit this? Whatever. I'd be like, when are you going to quit what you're doing? Yeah. Never? Okay, fine. Me neither. You know, like, uh, um, 
but using using humor in those situations actually just gets people off my backs for, right. for good. So when are you going to leave that bad marriage? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, that would be... That would set off a whole bunch of very serious. And you lose all your friends. <laughs> yeah, I think... Well, and the other thing, so, like, my dad... I mean, my parents fully support everything that I'm doing, but mm-hmm. my dad one time... Well, he, he is adamantly against the fact that I haven't gotten a haircut <laughs> Really? Yeah. I, I feel like it would be much it. longer. It's curly. It is yeah. long. It's just real curly. We should straighten it. I was thinking I about told him. Yeah, I think it'd be fun. You'd look yeah. like that weird dude who makes the Punisher movies. Is that a good thing? You'll see. <laughs> this is Google image. I'm down for a hair straightening session. Yeah. But anyways, he was like, you're going to need to be like going on meetings looking professional. And I was like, do you know who the people I'm meeting <laughs> with? <laughs> Like, do you know what they look like? Yeah. <laughs> because I'm doing a podcast right now. I'm not wearing shoes, and the person who's our <laughs> guest is in sweats. So. <laughs> spandex. Sorry, spandex. So like I the think show. I'll be okay. Yeah. And I mean, I, we all do have tights on. We can yeah. all get down to our exactly. tights That's if true. we need to. Um, I speaking of appearance and apparel, though, I I find that actually I feel a lot better about myself as a professional. But this is probably based on who I'm meeting with. Um, is that I, I was telling you earlier that probably 50% of the time I'm in athletic apparel and 50% of the time um, I'm in business casual or my version of that, which yeah. usually consists of jeans. Um, but the reason I ever even dress in business casual and do my hair and makeup is because I'm meeting with someone that matters. And I found that when I was showing up to meetings in, in athletic apparel, even though these partners that I'm working with um, probably fully expected me to show up in athletic apparel. I didn't take myself seriously, yeah. and if I didn't take myself seriously, they didn't take me seriously. Yeah. So I, I feel like putting like a coat of paint on the house. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it's like when you put on a suit, like a tux for a wedding. You're yeah. gonna feel like James yeah. Bond for a little. Right. Yeah, no, no, no. I don't mean. And then if we have, if we do have meetings with certain people, I will dress differently. And I'm, it's not well, just terribly I'm, t- I'm normally in a muumu, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think anybody. The reason why I bring that up is not to tell you that you should dress nicer. You should do what you want to do. But you do your unicorn you, shirt, yeah. man. Yeah. You do your unicorn yeah. shirt. Um, it's more of a dog unicorn. I actually can't tell. A dog unicorn. No, it's like a donkey corn. Yeah. And I don't know why there's a trombone, but there is. It's, it's a it's a WWE T-shirt. Okay. Leave it at that. Of course it is. Um... <laughs> <laughs> So I bring that up more, more so, to, because that's I feel like that's another manifestation of my own imposter syndrome, where it's like I don't feel like I belong at the table yeah. um, with some of the partners that I'm meeting with, unless I talk the talk or walk the walk, you know, yeah. like look like I look, 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 like, look mm-hmm. like I belong yeah. there with them. Yeah. So if I'm at a PR firm or a marketing firm meeting with like healthy brands people. I want them to walk away being like, she's really professional. We want to work with her. We trust her with our brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I feel like they're going to think that, they generally are going to think that. Yeah. Well, and just like I put on pajamas to go to bed, it's you. different things are comfortable in different situations, mm-hmm. right? And so, like, I think it's less about what you're wearing and why you're wearing it. Yeah. And, like, you have you want to p- represent your business and yourself. Right. And, like, this is about money at this point. Mm-hmm. Now it's, it's not about the workout. It's about the money and, and yeah. things like that. And so, but the I think the difference is when you sign up for a job where you're, like, let's say you're, like, this hippie who loves, like, painting 
his like colorful painty clothes and stuff like that and you're at like a I don't know like a really stuffy corporate job you're gonna go in every day and just absolutely hate everything because yeah. you can't even dress yeah. the way that you normally dress right. and you have to like change your hair and your face and everything about yourself and that's that's less imposter syndrome that's just being an imposter and like it's if like you said it's your version of business casual yeah it's not what Macy's told you to wear right. or what your boss told you to wear or like there's a lot of places that actually have like uniforms like you can't have backless shoes and mm-hmm. things like that and it's like alright great now you're controlling literally every aspect mm-hmm. of your life yeah well and what I told my dad as a rebuttal was cause I mean personally I don't think my hair is unprofessional <laughs> sometimes it gets wild and I try to tame it in but <laughs> I've, I've recently been going for a ponytail I was gonna say I bet it would fit it, it's getting close yeah um but what I told him was, and you talk about like looking the part, right? Mm-hmm. So I was like, when you think of Steve Jobs, what do you think of? Is he wearing a suit? Mm-hmm. And he said, no, he's wearing black long sleeve and jeans. Mm-hmm. I said, all right. When you think of Mark Zuckerberg, is he wearing a suit? He's wearing a hoodie and jeans. Yeah. Not that either of those are necessarily what I'm saying I have to wear or people mm-hmm. have to wear, but the people who are changing industries and creating really important things mm-hmm. in the world were not concerned with what look do I need to be playing. Well, they were concerned with... Well, they were doing it because they were they concerned with the look that they wanted. Yeah. They were not concerned with What I'm saying is, what look, is the yeah. part, what is everyone else looking like, and why do I need, or I need to look like them? Yeah. They were more concerned with what's, what am I focused on creating? Yeah. What am I focused on working on? And let, let that be the bulk of my decision making. So, not to quote Mark Cuban here, but I'm about to quote Mark Cuban. Um, <laughs> do but, you not enjoy quoting Mark Cuban? Well, I love Mark Cuban, but I just don't want to use too many of his quotes. Okay. I, I feel like he's the right amount of douchebag. so um so mark cuban on shark tank recently there was like a there was a tie company and he said specifically like i don't wear ties i had to wear a tie every single i'm i'm gonna get this wrong but close i'll get it close i had to wear a tie every single day to the first job i had when i walked out of there i said i'd never wear a tie again and then he said you know what's really cool um not being told what to wear but telling other people what to wear uh, so I feel like that was one of those like, aha, uh, I like that about That's you, cool. cubes. <laughs> cubes. <laughs> cubes. Well, and I think one of the kind of side effects of all of the stuff that we're talking about here is whether it's swearing, whether it's wearing what you want to wear, whether it's just, you know, talking like yourself versus talking like the job wants you to mm-hmm. talk. Like those things help filter out people who don't think like you and, mm-hmm. and bring in people who do. So. Gary Vaynerchuk is, you know, a huge entrepreneur that I follow, mm-hmm. and he's like, he swears a ton. Mm-hmm. He swears a ton in his videos, but it's always for emphasis, and he, he says, uh, um, do, have I lost out on business opportunities because I swear? He goes, probably, but they're mm-hmm. probably companies that I wouldn't want to work with, mm-hmm. and that helps me find the companies I would want to work with, Right. and it also, strategically, to use the swearing, it allows people to be more honest mm-hmm. because if you're if you're censoring yourself with the swears, what else are you censoring yourself with? Yeah, and that's kind of the psychology yeah. of it for for some of this stuff. It's like if you're constantly wearing a suit, pretending to be someone else, what else are you hiding from me? Mm-hmm. That's the way I kind of start looking at it. Yeah, so it's really about what what suit are you uncomfortable in? I use air quotes yeah. metaphorically. What is the suit you're wearing that you and, don't want to be yeah, And most of us are masking some sort of, you know, imposter sort of thing exactly. underneath it all. We're all imposters. So we have hit our time limit here. Oh, boy. That was very, it was a good, like, 
concluding statement. Mm -hmm. Um, Before we wrap up, Gina, where can our listeners find you? What are you working on? Listeners can find me at asweatlife.com. It is a health and wellness community, which is the word I'm choosing to use now because we're a lot more than a blog. Um, So it's asweatlife.com. And every month we host events across Chicago. So if you're not in Chicago, I'm sorry, but eventually we'll come to you called Sweatworking. Um, and if you want to see kind of what that's all about, use hashtag sweatworking to look it up on either Instagram or Twitter. I have been twice. They're super fun. You were telling me i got to go to the next one. Yeah, well, and also if you're a single guy, it's like 80% good-looking girls. So. It's lady central. <laughs> it's lady central. So, I thought really I was just going for a workout, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you work out the eyes and the body. No way. No way. <laughs> that sounded really creepy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to Sweat Life readers. They're not invited. They're not invited. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So then to wrap up, we'll go around the room. Um, We'll close with you, Gina. Martin, we'll start with you. How do you fight imposter syndrome? Um, I I have fought and continue to fight imposter syndrome by um, building up skills and proof that I do belong in that conversation. So... My job wasn't giving me the skills that I needed. I went and built them elsewhere. Mm. Right now, I feel like an imposter anytime I'm doing art or comedy. So I'm doing the classes to learn the skills so that I feel like less of an imposter. Um, Yeah, so I think just getting out there and doing the thing. My answer for how do you fight imposter syndrome is figure out the voices in your head that are telling you what you aren't or what you are. Mm -hmm. And then... Think about, do I want to keep that voice or do I want different voices instead? Mm-hmm. And go in the direction of the voices that you do want to have mm-hmm. in your head. Gina. I would say to fight imposter syndrome, what I do specifically is I found I, I have found different ways to be accountable um, in my own success, in my own sort of real world, so outside of the corporate world life. Um, so what that means for me is I have a team that basically they work for me, but I report to them is how I look at it. Um, So I I tell them sort of how we're growing, what we're doing, and where we are in our journey every single week. And that actually empowers me to feel like, holy shit, I'm doing this. So every week I have a moment where I'm like, yes, we're doing this. Um, And so by finding those people that I am accountable to, um, I've continued to remind myself that I'm, I am doing this, and this is, this is something that is happening. <laughs> um, and I think beyond that, I think just knowing what, what it is that makes you tick is really important. So not, just like your voice is coming, like not ignoring those moments where you're like, oh, I hate analytics, or, <laughs> or I don't want to go on another stupid business trip for a meeting that I don't care about. Um, like sales yeah <laughs> knowing that knowing that about yourself and sort of figuring that out allows you to either find a job that you'll thrive in or find a pursuit that you can really just hustle and kill it in yeah absolutely I think we didn't explore the accountability aspect of all yeah that, but I think that's huge oh yeah and I think all of our answers in a way it's like accountable to your reports mm-hmm. Martin in your example in your, your answer, rather, it really was it's accountable to the skills you say that you have and want to develop. Mm-hmm. To yourself, yeah. Yeah, and then in mine, it's like, okay, accountable to the voices that I do want to yeah. be putting into my head. So it's yeah. accountable to my own brain, almost. Yeah. 
So, all right, Gina Anderson Cohen. Two last names. <laughs> Thank you for joining Lay Podcast. Thanks for having me, podcast. <laughs> and for the rest of you out there, what imposter syndromes are you fighting and how? Leave us a comment on the blog. That was our conversation with the one and only Gina Anderson Cohen. Gina, thank you so much for joining us. That was a ton of fun. I think we're going to actually need to do a part two with you either next week or sometime soon because there's a whole another bag of things that we still need to talk about on that topic you the listener did you enjoy this episode if so the best compliment you can give us is by subscribing to our show on itunes and leaving us a rating and review because ratings and reviews help more people find the show and spread the discover your inner awesome message Check out the show notes for everything we discussed on this episode, where you can find and connect with Gina as well as the show credits. We're going to close this one out just a little bit differently. I actually have a song that I created under my rapper persona, Phonetic, which is all about fighting imposter syndrome. And not only that, it is completely appropriate for this conversation with Gina, who is the founder of A Sweat Life, because the name of the song is called sweat so we'll play you out with that one and again thank you to gina anderson cohen for joining us for martin mcgovern i am rajiv nathan this has been another episode of the discover your inner awesome podcast we will catch you next week take care and be awesome today sweat 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 Installment of a man in pursuit of his passions. A man who chooses to express his emotions through words. Emotions that, when previously expressed, have been met with adversity and admonishment. But through it all, he stayed true to himself. He persevered and offered nothing, nothing but sweat, heart, my motherfucking everything. Hip hop, don't give it up for anything. If anything, I'm giving up, giving up and getting out. No, not never when I'm good or even when in doubt. Blood, guts, and handsome, writing up a red rum. Up on the defensive, how you gonna fan him? When you thought you knew what he was and what he really wasn't with the will to carry on without the help of friends or who? Friends or cousins? Tasked with a solo endeavor, a decision had to be made. Fight or flight, sink or swim. And although his life vest consisted purely of his self-confidence, he was able to maintain buoyancy in a sea of negativity. Tread water amidst dismissive waves. Take pride in his name and left without an umbrella in the rain. Come out and say, Now listen to it carefully. The only way it's gotta be is honorable. Or the other options, mediocrity. And honestly, I don't wanna win a fucking lottery. I wanna be a rock star. This is not a comedy. Look at him again. Ain't he worth a second mention? Tension building and fanatic on the road to redemption. Found a comfort zone on my own, and I know how to shit it. When I get up in the booth, you count eleven, count a fifth, bitch. As he traveled on this road, he encountered many ups and downs, trials and tribulations, bumps and bruises, no matter the stipulation. Every victory felt like defeat, but it was in this moment he realized it was redemption that was the gravel beneath his feet. Rather than trying to prove to others, he refocused and set out to prove himself to himself. And with level head intact and embedded, he cut out the act and just did phonetic.
just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and do something like this. And totally redeem yourself! <laughs> Fasten your seatbelts. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, nice. All right, now let's do burpees. <laughs> just kidding. No, I already got my yoga in today. Yoga is not burpees. <laughs> well, I think I got my exercise in <laughs> You just got owned. Oh, no. <laughs> That's not a workout. <laughs> no, yoga is a workout. Yoga is a workout.